Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-patrollable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Well, as far as I'm concerned, brows are everything. They support the architecture of your face and getting them right, practically a facelift. But because of the plucking 90s, some of us might not have any brows left. Oh, thanks a lot, Gwen Stefani, Madonna and Kate Moss. And now that overplucked arch is back. I almost want to stop teenagers in the street and beg them not to over-tweeze. Maybe point them in the direction of a Blink Brow Bar. Blink Brow Bar is the pioneer of eyebrow threading in the UK, and they've shaped 20 million brows. So they really know what they're doing, unlike us in the 90s. Yes. I've been going to them for 15 years and I've never had a dud threading. Now, thrillingly, they've put all that expertise into a range of super easy-to-use products. Different products for different problems. So they might just be able to help those of us who got totally plucked up with their hot off the press Brow Boost Serum. I mean, it's formulated to supercharge your brows, feeding active ingredients into the hair shaft and follicles for thickness, fullness and density. And I've been using it for three weeks and my eyebrows are already looking fuller. In fact, 80% of people reported that their eyebrows have grown after using it for eight weeks. So we are delighted that Blink is sponsoring the podcast this week. I mean, this is practically a public service announcement. It is. So get your hands on a Blink Brow Boost Serum because it's all about the brows, people, and you know it. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily, and I am absolutely fine. But the other day, I went to the loo in the office, and I realised that I had sat down with my backpack on. (laughs) So I was sitting there in all my sort of finery with a backpack on my back. Like Like a sort of murderer. Yeah, I mean, it's so humiliating. I nearly sent you a picture because it was like the most undignified I think I've ever been. Like a toddler. Yes, exactly. Squatting on the loo with their little backpack on. Like someone halfway up a mountain. Yes, exactly. You were. You were halfway up the mountain of your day. I feel like I'm halfway up a fucking mountain, metaphorically and literally. Anyway, how are you, Annabelle? I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine. 
but I woke up this morning with a really stingy lumbar region, Ooh. like really, really bad lower back pain. And, uh, and all I can think it was, was this weekend, I had some time to myself, so I did quite a lot of lying down. Oh, for fuck's sake. And when you get to the point where a little bit too much lying down cripples you, <laughs> I mean... <sighs> and when you feel like that, there is not one affirmation or motivational quote that's going to get you, limber you up again, is it? There really isn't nothing that's going to help you attack the wheat like a shark or a lion or any of those wild and highly motivated animals. I mean, we posted a thing on Instagram, didn't we? A, a week or two ago, and it was a reel. And the reel was, I'm going to have to do a terrible impression now, but the reel was Gemma Collins saying, I ain't staying here. I love you, but I ain't staying here. <laughs> and the caption was, when you visit a friend and they have a live, laugh, love sign in their house. And about 150,000 of you listeners, middles, saw it. And then brilliantly started sending in all the slogan prints and sayings that, that trigger you. And you're so <laughs> funny when you comment or DM us on Insta. It always gives us great joy. But this post was, was particularly good. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, I was having a heart-to-heart with a very, very old friend who was in a terrible marriage. And her husband had done all sorts of awful things. She was completely miserable. And she was cataloguing all the horror. And I suppose I was sort of nodding sympathetically with a bit of a compassionate head tilt. But it was only when she said, and then he spray painted a live, laugh, love sign on the wall above the bed, (laughs) that I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, leave, more like, as one of you brilliant people suggested on Instagram. And eventually, listeners, that's what she did. I mean, of course, I can't actually say live, laugh, live, love, love. It is weirdly hard to say live, laugh, love. I mean, maybe maybe it's right. Anyway, what is it, though, that triggers us about these well-worn slogans? I mean, they should be comforting, and yet they are infuriating. I suppose they tell us all what we already know, and make everything feel even more futile and unreachable. Yeah, they imply that just a print on a wall is a game changer and will immediately recalibrate us to, I don't know, dance like no one's fucking watching. I knew you'd bring that one up. And actually, I noticed it on uh, on people Instagramming and I felt deep shame because I have <laughs> a dance like no one's watching print in, in our hallway. And okay, I have to be completely honest... It was given to us by a really, really good friend for my daughter, who is like under 10. And um, she was like, I'm not having it. <laughs> she was all Gemma Collins. Well, she wasn't going to have it in her room. That's not staying here. That's not staying here. I love you, but that's not staying here. Exactly. And but because I was such a people pleaser, I put it up in our hallway. So I, God knows how many people I've frightened off. But, uh, but yeah. Another thing that these are all from these are all generated by you lot. The one of you posted in the comments on Insta was life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. <laughs> Why is that so irritating? Em? It's so irritating. I think oh, I suppose we all do need to realize I'm just being kind here, right? That the day to day drudge and grind and worry and exhaustion is the good part, right? Because you know, sometimes we only realise that those were the good times when something really bad happens. But learning to dance in the rain. <laughs> learning to dance in the rain. Oh, it's like an attitude lecture. It's a you've only got yourself to blame for your stress levels lecture. 
It's a sort of, you know, you can choose how you feel lecture. And I, I think it reduces our mental health to that, to take that video, you know, Jason Orange doing backflips in a vest in the rain. Let's do that then. Oh yeah, we'll definitely feel better, what with your back and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do backflips in the rain because it won't be the thing that tips us in our lumbar region over the edge at all. <laughs> well, that fine. What about, what about, what about the other one that was highlighted? You don't have to be crazy to live here, but it helps. Uh, yes, another one of yours, listeners. You don't have to be crazy to live here, for fuck's sake. Crazy, <laughs> like cray cray, crazy. I'm just crazy me. Always got a little bit of crazy in my pocket. You know, C to the R to the A to the Z. <laughs> I mean, always have been. Well, okay, what if we replaced crazy with mentally ill? <laughs> you don't have to be mentally ill to live here, but you probably are. Please write to us if you think we should put this slogan into production. I definitely need this T-shirt. Um, okay, uh, I am enough. I am enough, you suggested. A print that says I am enough on someone's wall. Oh, dear. I mean, this triggers general derision, which is incredibly ungenerous because generally hanging this on a wall is basically a how for help, it isn't is. it? It's a clear signal that you're either coming out of or in the middle of or, or heading for some kind of nervous breakdown. Sorry, spiritual awakening. Sorry, nervous breakdown. Oh. Another one of the ones that you said was uh, a framed print that just says, enjoy. <laughs> What's that mean? Serve you life's orders. Enjoy what? Enjoy everything? I suppose these are probably hung in the houses of those who go for organised fun. I know one woman uh, who practically the moment you cross the threshold of her house, she's putting you in a wig and some like hilarious glasses <laughs> and making you do a crazy dance for like a crazy photo or a crazy video. And you don't have to be crazy to live here, but I, oh God, I'm not staying. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on, hold on. Speaking of staying, another suggestion was namaste in bed. Yoga puns. Oh, literally, have we come to this? Yoga puns, Jesus. <laughs> we could run with it for a minute. I mean, um, time for your downward spiral, ladies. <laughs> Swiftly followed by the sad cow pose. Yeah. Uh, see also namaste. Oh, God, that's wet. God, that's wet. Uh, happiness is a journey. I mean... As we always say, just because life is a journey doesn't make it any less of a disaster. That knowledge creeps up on you slowly, doesn't it? I know. And I can think of some other things that have crept up on me recently. And not in a good way. Are we, are we at the creeping? Are we in our creeping era? <laughs> One minute you're going about your business and then you know where you are with everything. And suddenly it's like your cells have gone through that Hadron Collider and you are a totally different person. For example, I have always been immune to the attraction of birds and actually quite frightened of seagulls. They live for 30 years, you know. <laughs> oh, which they probably remember the 90s better than we do. Yes. Anyway, we've basically been oblivious to bird life and suddenly I'm a bit of a bird watcher. Mysteriously, you're asking, is that a fluffy-backed tit babbler? Or is it a goldfinch? A chaffinch? A dunnock? Could it be a cold tit? I mean, obviously, actually, at this point, we are just listing birds we Googled. But you get the picture. Birds suddenly take on, like, profound emotional significance. Yeah, yeah. Look at that robin. Howls. Yeah, look at that magpie. Screams. <laughs> I spend my whole time on my stupid walks around the park for my stupid mental and physical health, just crossing myself and going, hello, Mr. Magpie, how's, how's your wife? The other thing that creeps up on you is uh, grown-up political anger. Yeah. I mean... 
uh, passion politics definitely took me by surprise and the rage. I was not a firebrand in my 20s. It took me years to realise that I even paid tax and what was it for? Because it just came off my payslip. I actually got my belly button pierced to celebrate the 1997 election results. I mean, it's obviously what John Smith would have wanted. But the point is, is that, you know, I wasn't exactly a firebrand. It was more like decoration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Decoratively political. I mean, one minute you vote because it's a novelty that it's your right. And the next minute you vote because you're absolutely furious. I mean, you sign petitions. You ask where the marches are. You cry over all the girls in Iran. I mean... All the girls everywhere. That's true. And you feel... I feel so frustrated that after all this time that we have been alive, there seems to be no real progress. Yeah, I mean, all these kids, you know, they look like the angry ones. They feel like the angry ones, but they have no idea of the fury that's coming for them. Because, I mean, Jesus Christ, guys, how hard can it be? I mean, maybe not to get it right all the time, but maybe not to get it so relentlessly, viciously, spitefully, like illegally wrong. Yeah, no, it's a disgrace. You know what else is a disgrace? What, something that's crept up on you? What's crept up on you? Dirt. You're actually, you're seeing dirt. Yeah. I've literally... When did you last wash your bath mat? Um, actually, this weekend. But Ooh. but before then, like, sort of three weeks at least. It's better than usual. It is better than usual because, you and know... it used to be six months. I am, I'm a political firebrand who's also turning into a 1950s housewife. Who cares about dust on the skirting? I've never even looked at the skirting, I don't think. And now I... You'll be like me, hands and knees on your floor with some wipes. Yeah, no wonder our backs fucking hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, And I I mean, this is... uh, Speaking of, of, of sort of like, you know, domestication, I've suddenly become a person who makes lavender bags. <laughs> oh, my God. I know, it's, it, it's, it, this is a move way beyond needlepoint. And we slightly sound like 19th century skivvies, don't we? Wanting to stitch and dust and, or maybe even like Edwardian ladies watch birds and write about them in our notebooks whilst also burning down the House of Commons. <laughs> the other things I've burned down are the kitchen. I tell well, you. That's because, of the, that's because of the cooking creep. And what I mean by the cooking creep is never wanting to fucking cook anything ever again. And it's such a shame, actually, because you loved loved cooking for people yeah roast, roasting a chicken was kind of my love language but now mm-mm. i wonder if it's it's a hormonal thing it's signaling the end of the compassionate era <laughs> do you think that's where we're going well into? i just have no longer any desire to feed people and if i need to feed myself i can do it with a cracker and a bit of old cheese from the fridge yeah maybe also because we're in so much emotional pain and physical pain which is why what's crept up on me is the painkiller drawer <laughs> not just like a little box or, or, or a cabinet or an old tin with some, you know, own brand ibuprofen in it. No, it's like a, it's like, it's like Davy and Hearst's pharmacy <laughs> these days. It's a drawer that just rattles with, I mean, yes, yeah, some bog standard high street stuff, but some heavy hitters that you've procured somehow from someone. Oh, could you just, could you just spare one of those? Or maybe a packet of something someone bought you back from Thailand 15 years ago. It, sometimes it's because the pain, sometimes it's just because you need to take a pill. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so weird. It's like we sway from um speaking of swaying actually, I tell you what else I realise is that sitting down dancing is almost as much fun as standing up dancing. More fun, I'd say. I mean there's less risk of injury as above, less potential for uncoordinated humiliation, but you're feeling good, and that is the thing that matters. Well, I mean it's quite freeing, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like uh, the other thing that 
creeps up on us, uh, which is rudeness, late onset rudeness. <laughs> you know, I spent my entire life obsessed with politeness, thank you cards and being acceptable. And now I, I don't think I care as much. I even sort of aspire to be Miriam Margulies. On the Today programme a couple of days ago, she said, fuck you bastards, um, before was being ushered very politely. I mean, you know. From the premises. <laughs> from the premises. And Krishnan Gurumurthy was subsequently tweeting that she is on a list of troublemakers and like Channel 4 will only hire them if you actually want to smash some shit up, which is quite good for 80. It's kind and of a goal, isn't kind it? Kind of a goal. I mean, you know, like I said, I sound really confident saying it, but like, you know, it's quite hard the idea of being rude. Socially unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, all the things that we secretly wish it was acceptable to do or say in a social situation. Oh my God, there's so many, right? Like, imagine if you just said to someone, Emily, in the middle of conversation, you, if you just said, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, now or at any time, really. Can you imagine? Imagine how that would be to say, I don't care. What do you think about so-and-so's comment on the other WhatsApp group? I don't care. Do you think D or Y or Z is a narcissist? Uh, stop diagnosing people and I don't care. In my case, will Prince Harry publish his book and will Meghan run for office? Stop talking about them. I don't care. So happy. You could say so happy if you could say I don't care to any Meghan do, and Harry though, conversation. I'm me. We're imagining what would happen if you said I don't care. This Christmas we were just thinking of... I don't care. Oh, my God. And then walk away. Do you think anybody would praise me for my honesty? Mm, no. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's what I've started doing when someone says, so tell me about yourself. <laughs> so tell me about yourself. No. Just no. Yeah, this happened the other night. I've been sitting next to someone for two hours. And he said, uh, so finally, he said, so tell me about yourself. And I said, no, you've been talking about yourself and your business acumen, and your wife's good taste, and your children's, frankly, unremarkable achievements for, like, a good hour and a half more. And, and now I'm drunk, and I'm, bit, I'm a bit angry, and I've just completely lost my heart on for this conversation. And I can't just produce my life story from a standing start. What's that even mean? That's not conversation. Tell me about yourself. I mean, what are we, American? <laughs> also, do you think, when someone says, tell me about yourself, do you think you should say, well, I like... Uh, ponies and uh, the colour orange. I'm a very sensitive person, (laughs) spiritual, loyal. I mean, it's a recipe for absolute disaster. And the other thing I started doing was someone asked me about how my summer was or how my weekend was, how my Christmas was. It's just to tell the truth, which is invariably, well, I've had better and I've had worse. Oh, yeah. Not not like, oh, Corfu was lovely. We had a really nice pub lunch yesterday. Because either there's a drama that I don't want to share or my answer has already bored me before I've even said it. And I'd rather get back to... You remember those comforting lockdown conversations oh. we've had? The granular ones. Yeah, like your favourite one, which was your favourite pasta shape. I spent three months debating what people's favourite pasta shapes were. What is your favourite pasta shape? I still haven't decided, you see. It's a rich a rich scene. I think I quite like... I tried one the other day. It was called a... Oh, and no, I've forgotten. It's called a bugatoni or something. And it's like a pasta, but it's got a hole, a hole in, the in the middle. People really fall hard for that. I was like, ooh, this might be a game changer because it's light, but it's chunky. What I discovered is that people have um, improbably strong feelings around fusilli. 
Is that the twisty one? The twirly one, exactly. People really, really don't like it, which I'm surprised by. Although I really am not a fan of penne. I think it's boring and I heavy agree. and depressing. I agree. It's heavy and depressing. I also quite like farfalle. Should I say farfalle? <laughs> farfalle. Farfalle, because it makes you want to go like that. Anyway. Um, so uh, socially acceptable, socially unacceptable. So, you know, when you're at a restaurant and you're in the middle of an unusually difficult slash deep slash honest slash sexy slash funny slash romantic moment and the waiter comes over to ask you something really nice and friendly like um is everything okay or do you have everything you need and 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 this very nice person this waiter doesn't take the cue from the fact that you're trying to politely not notice them in order to stay deep within your unusually difficult slash deep slash honest slash sexy slash funny slash romantic <laughs> conversation. But they, they, they don't go anywhere. They, they wait. They, they, it's like an act of aggression. They loom. <laughs> they loiter until you have no choice but to raise your eyeballs. And then they ask your question. And then you say, you know, if you're you, what do you say? Oh, you know, yes, thanks. Everything is lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Great. Didn't see you. Great. Sorry. Thank you. Exactly. Imagine if you could just say, go away. (laughs) Go away. And please don't do this to anyone else this evening. It's bad. It's obviously a vibe killer. Please never do it again. It doesn't make sense. It must be an edict from the restaurateurs or the managers. It's mad. So they're so paranoid not to do it that they just willfully ignore the vibe. I don't know. Answers on a postcard. But it's never a welcoming sort of interruption, is it? Also the fact that we say thank you so much. Like, we sound so fucking grateful for the intrusion. And I mean, like, for example, you have your hair done. Mm. And and the hairdresser goes, happy? (laughs) fluffing your new cut around your face, loving it, instead of, you know, producing that rictus grin and the huge tip, what if we actually said, I hate it, which is what we're saying inside, and then cried, and then said, I feel stupid and ugly and I'm filled with regret. I'm never coming here again. Except obviously I will because a new hairdresser is a terrifying prospect. Terrifying. But we don't say that. Instead we say, love it. So you're at a party or lunch or dinner or the pub or a walk, anywhere really. And, and you say, as, as, as we do, I, I'm, I'm going to go now. <laughs> and then someone says, as they do, oh, no, why? Rather than, than sort of twisting yourself out of shape and saying, oh, I've got an early start or a bad back or a headache or the babysitter. You find yourself able to say, because I'm not having a very nice time. And then they understand that it's just not happening for you. It's, it's like no blame. It's the no fault leaving. You're not feeling it. Fair enough. Bye. God, it would be so good if actually, it would be so important for us if we could say, I'm actually not having a very nice time, so I'm going to go yeah. for me. Yeah. Not obviously if you're having a one-on-one dinner. Because <laughs> that's certainly... But it would be... Oh, yeah. If that was acceptable. It would be great. Can I tell you what isn't? acceptable. Go on, tell me. Is my fucking face. Oh, don't. I mean, so, you know, you start the morning with a sort of 7am squint into the sort of condensation-covered bathroom mirror. And you sort of think, oh, it's not too shabby. You get that vibe. Probably because you're deranged with sleeplessness and the dimmer is on low or the lights aren't on at all. And and you're not going to let any daylight in, either because there's no window or because you're not going to let any daylight in because you're scared of daylight. You, You know, we all know... 
you know, this is not our first rodeo, that you're supposed to put your makeup on in daylight, preferably with a magnifying mirror. But I mean, how much difference can it really make? Also, you know, you have to emotionally <laughs> limber up for a magnifying mirror. And you have neither the time nor the resilience. And you've been doing your pre-work morning makeup for, I mean, more years than you care to remember. So how bad can it be? Well, Annabelle, I'm glad you asked, because it can be quite bad. <laughs> I mean, you realise at 9am when you're in the office loo with the smear test strip lighting and your mascara has already migrated down your face and you still have that streak of white moisturiser not rubbed in around your temples. In your haste and in the dark this morning, you didn't blend the concealer on the right side of your nose so it looks like someone has drawn on you. Or drawn you on. (laughs) You also notice that you are using the wrong season shade of tinted moisturiser. So you're either wildly orange or too deathly pale. And so you're furiously blending to make your skin look normal. And instead it looks patchy and red, like you've developed instant rosacea. Which you also have. (laughs) Yeah, also you've got a nervous hive that turns into a spot over the next 24 hours and a tick in your eye. (laughs) Just from the stress. Yeah. Uh, then you find yourself in a lift at 11am and uh, you, you make a catastrophic error between the third and fourth floors and, and you look up and you catch sight of yourself in the mirror. <laughs> no. And an inner monologue starts and it goes something like, "'Twas Thursday when she sickened. Her decline was swift. They buried her on a frosty morning, planting fragrant herbs around her grave. I mean, how is it possible to look so ill and yet somehow be fully functional?' <laughs> Anyway, because of the horror of the lift, you manage to spend the rest of the day avoiding all reflective surfaces like a vampire. But at 5.30, while walking past a shop window on the way home, you suddenly see a Broadmoor escapee. Who can that be? (gasps) It's me! Yep, you've hit the scaring small children and animals stage of your day. Because all day long, you've been going around with a weird matted lump at the back of your head because you forgot to brush your hair. And everyone's going to think it's sex hair and it's not, it's insomnia (laughs) hair. (laughs) and insanity hair you've got seeds in your teeth from lunch although they may not be seeds because you've forgotten what you ate for lunch so maybe let's just call it matter matter in your mouth matter in your teeth and no one's fucking told you so you realise you have no friends and your skirt may or may not be tucked into your knickers and there's a stain there's always a stain probably on your boob holy hell just another day in the life of a mid-up right (laughs) yeah rudeness yeah mirror horror Bad backs. But all is not lost. All is not lost. Because you could stay tuned for a chat with the brilliant Vanita Party, who is the founder of Blink Brow Bars, about how to look after your eyebrows, even when you feel, as I do today, that all might be lost. So, Vanita, welcome to the podcast and thank you for coming to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Some people are fanatical about brows and some people are a bit scared of brows. And actually, you're talking to the two opposites. I'm <laughs> fanatical about eyebrows and Emily's a bit scared of them, doesn't know anything about them. But really, why are eyebrows so important? For me, it's where beauty starts. Because once your brows are balanced and you have the shape, uh, it, the, the shape is correct. And when I say correct, often if you just leave them, it's just a sort of, it's just hair. <laughs> But when you shape it, it beautifies the whole face and it balances it. And I think it's really important to do what I call brow mapping, which is to get the length of the brows 
right to get the arch of the brow correctly placed. Don't take too much off, don't take too little off, and to ensure that it starts and finishes in the right place. And the thickness. So it, it, it sounds difficult, but it is actually, there is a formula that if you follow and you stick to religiously, you will see the difference. It will lift your eyes, it will lift your cheekbones. And people just describe it as, you know, it is a mini facelift. I mean, so many words there that I love. No, well, it does. It does. It shores up the architecture of your face. But I noticed that when I go into Blink, which I've been doing for 10 years, the ladies always do some Leonardo da Vinci type measurements with their thread <laughs> around. And I think that's the math that you're talking about, right? Trying to work out where it should yes. start and where it should it's finish. Really, and... It's really, really simple. It, 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 your brow should start where you're... If you have a pencil and you put it against the nostril, your nostril and stick the pencil up in the air, that's where your brow should start. You then swivel the pencil across to the iris and that's where your arch should be and then you swivel it to the end of your eye and that is where your brow should end so if you've got a little mark you know a little brow pencil or even a eyeliner just mark it gently on your brows and make sure you stick to those dimensions and I think what people do is they well, overpluck, everybody overplucks, but it's really hard because you start plucking away and you think, oh, I'll take a bit more, a bit more off. And when you, you keep going and then, you know, you can't stick your brow hairs back on. So I, I, I think that what you have to do is take it very, very slow and make sure you follow that formula. So if your brows start too far back, it throws the balance of your face off completely. And so you just need to make sure it's better to have too much hair than too little. So take I mean, we've really all overplucked in a, you know twenty five years have. ago when Kate Moss did it. We all did it. Even I, I plucked know. like a tiny bit of my eyes, and I've basically never touched my brows. Really. What should we do if we overpluck and panic? What's the best way to try and encourage them to come back? I think the best way we have to remember brow hairs need to be looked after, like the hair on your head. So everybody talks about you know massaging your. Uh, your hair and using the right shampoo and putting uh, hair masks on treat your brows in the same way it's hair so first of all use nourishing oils to put on your brows at night a little bit like a mask just to condition them and soften them and then if you um, you know there are lash serums out there at the moment we've got brow boost out which I'm very excited about and it it's just using um, some oils that have active ingredients in them like, you know, we have turmeric and hyaluronic acid. We have some coconut oil in there. Um, and then we have Rovisan Biotin, which is a delivery system to make sure it really gets into your follicles and stimulates them. Something can be done. Um, your follicles are just having a bit of a snooze and you need to kickstart them into action. And this helps. So to get a really good serum, I think, is a good idea. To put some oil on your brows at night before you go to bed is a very good idea. Um, and then simply massage them, you know, get the circulation going. It's just to remind your muscles, uh, your lymph nodes, um, that some work needs to be done. Not, don't have a snooze, wake up and get those follicles into action. And it does make a difference. If you wanted to meaningfully thicken up your eyebrows, if, they're, if they've really got quite, quite patchy beyond yes. the capability of a, of a serum, what do you think about microblading? Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because I know people are 
terrified for two reasons. One Could is you just that explain to our listeners what it is? I need to, Emily's I'm looking like, at me utterly bewildered I'm when like, I say that. What is microblading? So it, it's, it's um, an advancement on semi-permanent tattoos, which people used to do, and it looks very much like a, a sort of copy and paste brow that is drawn on. And it's not the look that anybody really wants to have, but microblading is so much better because... It doesn't do it in blocks. It's very thin strokes of a blade, which is then filled in with ink to look like hair. And it's so natural that, you know, and I've seen many of our clients get uh, microbladed. It, it honestly has changed their lives because suddenly you have brows where you had none and they look like brows. So it brings back the thickness and the fullness and the colour. And... You know, it doesn't require much maintenance. So I would really recommend it for people that feel that their confidence has diminished because they don't have any brows. You know, it is about being youthful, I think. And it is the structure of your face, like you say. It's, it's, it's the architecture that shores up the whole face. And about and looking awake. Them. Yeah, exactly. And your eyes sort of shine uh, and open up when you're, people can see your brows. I think people don't realise that you, you go to get them threaded not to make them thinner. I, I go to make them look fuller. So it's not counterintuitive, but that's what happens. Because my whole, uh, the reason I've never done it is because I always thought that it would make them, that, that shaping it would sort of make them shorter or somehow, somehow smaller. And therefore that's what, and I already, they are quite Yours thin. Yours aren't so. thin, they're just very pale. Yeah. So maybe I need... That's sort of fine. So, I so need a, tint, like a tint, actually. Ooh. I mean, I, a tint would look fabulous. I'm looking at your brows right now and just <laughs> thinking. And a tint doesn't need to be... You know, I think people are worried that suddenly they're going to look like a caterpillar, you know, caterpillar brows. Not at all. Yes. You know, you, you get them done. The, maybe for the first 24 hours, they're a little bit dark, but they fade pretty quickly. And it's the definition. It's the frame on the painting, you know. Otherwise, it, you, you will look at yourself and... You know, other people look at you and go, what have you had done? They won't be able to okay. pinpoint what you've had done. But it's just, it's like putting on mascara where suddenly, you know, you see lashes yeah. and your eyes look a bit more open. And brows are the same. And often when I've had mine done, and I get mine tinted just to give it definition, clarity and, and you know, make them look like they have a bit more volume. Um, I do look in the mirror and think, God... I look great, you know, <laughs> and, and, I, and I feel I so excited. And, and then, you know, before I go in to get my brows done again, I think, oh, something's not quite right. You know, I'm looking, ooh, it's my brows. I need to get okay. them ship shape. <laughs> what does threading give you that, like, plucking or waxing doesn't? I think threading gives you definition. The shape is so wonderful because you can guide the thread exactly how you, you know, you've got control. And so you can create the perfect shape and symmetry, which I found, I think our clients were astounded when we first launched it back in 2004. We sort of democratised threading. We put it on the shop floor so people could see it. But the results were so dramatically different from waxing or tweezing. I think tweezing, it's one hair at a time, it's slower, and you don't have that level of control. So to get them as even and to get the finishes um, smooth and clean as threading is impossible. Waxing, it's more of a block shape because you can take a certain amount of hairs off together. 
But with threading, you're dealing with one hair at a time, very quickly and swiftly removed. So you create a beautiful shape that grabs every single hair so it's a clean finish. It takes every hair off by the roots, which means that they all grow back at the same time. So you can start controlling your hair cycle if you don't tweeze in between and it lasts a little bit longer. And it's just much cleaner. I was always hysterical about who I entrusted my brows to, like really, really precious about it. But I found one with Blink. I don't walk in and worry about who I'm going to see. I know that they're gonna, when I say I don't want them thinner, that I'm not going to come out with them thinner. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most important thing, that we get the best out of your brows for you, and having them thinner is not the best. I think having the right shape is what is important. So some people are terrified because we might recommend that they have a bit more of an arch to balance their face. So if they've got quite a round face, an arch looks absolutely beautiful. If you've got a very long face, I describe myself as having quite a long face, a high arch will suddenly throw the balance off. So it's all about getting the right shape for you, which you don't need, you don't have to remove a lot of hair to do that. So to get a bit more of an arch means one extra hair taken out that can make all the difference. But it is only one, you just need to know which hair it is and be very precise about it. I mean, we're all just traumatised by the 90s. That's the thing, isn't it? Yes. So, <laughs> and skinny brow is, is kind of coming back on the, you know, catwalks, which is, you know, a lot of people have asked me, is this true? It's terrifying. And um, it is a bit terrifying. I don't think it will catch on. Well, you know, you know, we, we did it then and we didn't look that great. <laughs> so we're not going to be making the same mistake. But will we, will we be stopping young women in the street saying, just don't touch your brows? Yeah, they Maybe might not will. grow back. Yeah. Well, you know, I think TikTok's sort of taken care of that. There's so much about brow love and brow care that I think, you know, Gen Z, Gen Z are probably a bit more aware than we ever were. Yes, understand eyebrows in a way that we didn't. Well, I mean, Emily and I are both itching now to sort of dash down to the nearest blink bar and get tinted and microbladed and have everything possible done to us. But he said, thank you so much for coming and sharing some of your wisdom. And um, I mean, you know, know, everybody I know who works in beauty recommends blink, as do I. So congratulations. And thank thank you. you so much. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was bravely brought to you by Blink, because brows are everything.